1: All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Green Room Podcast. Uh, I'm Tony Paul of the Detroit News. Thanks for joining us. As you know, Matt Charbonneau, our uh, previous beat writer, has moved on to greener pastures, so to speak. Uh, So uh, I'm filling in temporarily, (laughs) emphasis on temporarily, on the Michigan State beat for the Detroit News, um, which is fine. Nothing going on. Pretty, pretty calm waters up in East Lansing, as usual. I have a special guest. Please be joined by the Dean of Michigan State Sports. In my opinion, anyway, there's a lot of them, but I think he's definitely right up there. Lynn Henning, uh, my colleague here at the news. Lynn, I appreciate you joining me to talk about yet another mess in East Lansing.
0: Boy, that's uh, kind of a redundancy, isn't it, Tone? At least on the football side. I mean, this has just been uh, ghastly. And it, it does compare in, in that respect with, with past episodes that you were usually brought on by either too many losing seasons or by probation or by something political or by a, a dramatic departure. I mean, all of those things were soap opera texts, but we didn't see anything that really got uh, sorted and squalid the way this did. And uh, Mel Tucker, a few weeks ago, was not exactly the guy we thought was going to be out the door, but uh, of his own volition, I guess uh, you'd have to say that was uh, a self-inflicted wound. And uh, now they're back up looking for a new coach, and uh, I think that's where the drama will be for the next uh, 10 weeks.
1: Yeah, the drama and the headaches (laughs) and everything. Uh, Well, right. You know,
0: there, there's a, there's a lot of, obviously, um, collateral damage from, you know, the blast radius here, and we're seeing that every Saturday. It's going to be tough for them, I think, to win even two more games. Yeah, you look at their schedule and it's um, –
1: Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it, it, <laughs> that
0: was going to be a, a rough road to even had, had Mel stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they could maybe squeeze out at best a, a six-win season. That was always going to be, I thought, very, very difficult. And uh, we're seeing why. They still don't really match up well against strength. And uh, not until uh, they get this program back and hopefully can retain their recruiting classes. Right. Well, I, I want to get into that
1: and I want to get into a few other things. But obviously, for those who've been living under a rock for the last few weeks, Mel Tucker was officially fired. Yesterday, we're recording this podcast on Thursday, September 28th. He was fired yesterday uh, by Michigan State for cause. They believe they have the legal grounds to save on the $80 million remaining on his contract. And if you talk to lawyers, they're probably right. Um, But we'll see how this all plays out. Obviously, Mel Tucker was suspended on September 10th after the story came out uh, from USA Today about allegations of sexual misconduct made by Brenda Tracy, who is a very noted uh sexual assault victims advocate who has gone through uh she's a rape survivor of her own The backstory quick backstory she was brought to michigan state early in mel tucker's tenure to you know she was consul- hired as a consultant to speak to the players as she does all around the country she's done it with michigan and several other programs but she came to michigan state and uh befriended mel tucker and um a definite friendship uh arose and um in uh in tracy's uh in tracy's view um it went too far and it was non-consensual and it has led to the firing of mel tucker mel tucker's lawyers this week they had seven days to respond as of as is the case with all the legal stuff after they uh, suspended him and decided to fire him he had seven days to respond to tell the university why he shouldn't be fired and um if you read the letter from his attorneys it was it was not a letter that was meant to keep his job it was a read more like an opening statement of a, of a lawsuit coming and I think that's what uh, is going to play out here um, for a long time and uh, from people I talked to at Michigan State they're ready to go to law uh, to to court with this they're not overly eager to settle. Uh, with a man who they feel like they've probably already given too much money to, given the circumstances. That's their view. Mel Tucker will have his say as well. That's going to play out. But in the meantime, there's a football team here, um, and you have to feel pretty bad for a lot of these players. Uh, Most of them are Mel Tucker recruits. Still a few holdovers from Mark D'Antonio, but most of them Mel Tucker recruits. They got off to a 2-0 start. Mel Tucker was suspended. They played Washington, I guess. They didn't show up. It was pretty ugly. And they played Maryland, lost to them. Although a little bit better last week. If you really watch the game, they definitely had their opportunities. But as you say, Lynn, here we go. They're going to Iowa. Iowa's got its own problems, but a very tough place to play and a very good defense against the Michigan State offense that scored 16 points in the last two weeks. Um, they got Iowa. They got to buy. Then they got to go to Rutgers. Then they play Michigan. They still have Ohio State looming. They still have Penn State looming. Uh, It's hard to find uh, the bright side here when you look at this upcoming schedule.
0: No, I think really the whole season right now is who are they going to bring in? And people say, well, they've got an interim coach here. Why don't you just let Harlan Barnett continue? And uh, they'll have to guard against that, not because Harlan Barnett uh, is not qualified. That's not the issue. Uh, He will be 57 on January 2nd. And uh, that simply paints you into a corner, Tony, where in a very few years, Michigan State is going to have to be looking again for a new football coach. Uh, Once you you get up to that uh, particular age level, uh, it's a matter of time before people start asking, well, are you going to be there for for the length of time before you retire? I mean, he's uh, that close. So they they need to get serious here, even though the players are all going to want the interim guy to stay. That's always the way it goes with these interim coaches. Uh, But they can't uh, really let themselves be held hostage here by sentiment. They're going to have to be extremely aggressive. And uh, I think it's in their interest if they hire young. That is a guy in his 40s or even 30s, uh, because they need to make a futuristic long-term choice here. And uh, getting a guy in, in his latter 50s is not the way to go. They have good candidates. And we'll have good candidates, probably better than they really realize, because this job, Tony, is still considered a pearl. It's a top you know, twenty-five but... job. Let's be honest about it. it. Is. I mean, it's it the is.
1: Big Ten. They're uh, less, you know, they've been to a Rose Bowl that recently. They've been to a playoff recently. They were eleven and two in two thousand twenty-one. You know, people out there that say who would want to come here is it, it, it's absurd. It's obscene. It is absurd. The top twenty-five job, anyway, especially. You know, but I mean, it was anyway. But then you look at the you know the balance of power shifting in college sports, and you're
0: going to have the mega conference in the Big Ten. This is a big, big job. It is. Uh, people say, "Well, look, how can they expect to hire when they haven't even named a new president?" That's not as big an issue in my mind as it is in some. They're going to hire a, a bright president, and that president is not going to come in here and uproot football or. Tell a new coach we're going to decelerate uh, athletics. That isn't going to happen. So make that uh, a, a secondary consideration as it should be. Uh, what has got to happen here, um, and it really has to happen, is bright people up there, and there are some in decision-making uh, capacities ha- have to hire. Your, wor- smart your words, people. not mine. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and, and for good reason that that can be snorted at. But uh, they're going to have really good candidates. And so we get into who are they. Um, I know that they're looking probably at uh, already the one guy that's very high in the list is, is Mike Elko at Duke. That makes sense. They're going to definitely be looking, I think, at Jason Candle at Toledo and should. And he's an example of a guy that, that could really be good. Uh, the Marshall coach uh, is it Charles Parker. Uh, he, he's, he's really, really strong. Um, they've got Matt house who played there. He's been all over the place in college and pros. Um, he, he's a guy that they, they need to consider all of these people. Tony would be excellent. And, um, they're going to have a pick of the litter situation here. As stunning. As that may sound on September 28th, they're really going to have a, a terrific cast. Uh, I don't know if they can get uh, Brian Hartline out of Ohio State, but uh, of course he would be up there too. He's perfect. He knows recruiting turf. He's established. Uh, Ryan Day doesn't look like he's going anywhere soon. At least get Hartline uh, into the room for an interview and try to persuade him if he needs any persuasion. Uh, But it's an example of the kind of pedigrees that are out there waiting for Michigan State to Really grab them and say, "Look, make this your home for the next twenty years. We want to win, and you want to win, and we're going to give you all the resources that you need." And Michigan State can make that vow and commitment. So uh, that's not going to be a a, a tough road to hoe. It only requires discernment and good judgment. And as we know historically, that isn't always in uh, overabundance there. (laughs) Yeah, that's putting it putting it mildly. All right, we talk about the the the
1: sentimental favorite of course among the players would be Harlan Barnett um uh, is in his in his late fifties. Um you wrote a column um, a couple of weeks ago I think or maybe a week ago I can't remember where, the days are all <laughs> together at this Yeah moment. for all of us, yeah. Um but you wrote a column and you kind of made some parallels and I think they're pretty fair um to the um Nick Saban leaving um for LSU ninety nine yeah. and uh They could have gone out and got candidates. They were looking at candidates. And then the players kind of took it upon themselves to march down to Cowell's house and actually confront Peter McPherson, the president, and say, we want Bobby Williams, who, of course, longtime assistant coach, very popular among the players. And that had some sway there. And Bobby Williams, of course, ends up getting promoted and was an absolute disaster. And now I'm not saying... That Harlan Barnett would be a disaster by any stretch of imagination. I think that that's totally unfair, um, but that's what happens sometimes when your heartstrings kind of you know you you lead with your heart instead of your head. I think and um, and that happened in '99. Uh, he was gone a short time later after the debacle at Michigan, um, and there there's some similarities here. Yes, and and some maybe a cautionary tale um, to go with a Harlan Barnett or a Courtney Hawkins.
0: Well, and, and again, interview fully and interview openly, uh, but um, interview intelligently here. I, I saw this same thing with sentiment winning out when they hired Muddy Waters, as well as Bobby Williams. It just doesn't work to, to, to let sentiment rule. You've got to make this thing with the future in mind. You've got to know that the person you're appointing here can recruit and run a football team, and do it on an extraordinary level right from the get-go. And staying internal seldom really provides that opportunity. Um, It it can, and and, and you, again, have to be comprehensive in your thinking and in your interviewing and be open. But that also mandates that uh, you look at other people, too, and not, again, let uh, the comfort or the ease or the convenience of hiring internally, uh, rule at the end. And I've seen that happen repeatedly at at Michigan State. Look, when John L. Smith went out the door, another mistake made for all the wrong reasons. Not the fact that he went out the door. (laughs) That wasn't the mistake. Yeah, he he (laughs) was a a wrong hire right from the Mm get-go. And that was a a terrible mistake by Ron Mason, uh, who was brilliant otherwise, but just didn't do a good job of really weighing proper evidence in, in making John L. Smith the coach after Bobby left, well, they're they're setting themselves up uh, for doing the same here if they don't again uh, get um, extremely sharp with with their thought. But remember, at that point, they brought in Mark D'Antonio. They did do the proper amount of homework. They did put Rod Mason made up for that mistake for sure. Well, he and Ron. Really wasn't the guy. Mark Hollis at that point was running that review, and Mark and everyone uh, they they talked to the proper people nationally. Put it that way, and they knew they were going to get a very good football coach, and they were. Had it not been Mark Dantonio, they had other people, but um, Dantonio was the guy who made the most sense. And Michigan State is going to have a number of very good contestants for this job, so. I don't know who's going to be making the decision. That's always a pitfall here. Potentially, uh, they've got to keep the board of trustees at arm's length, which is not easy up there.
1: They don't need to keep them at arm's length. They need to keep them out of the. I mean, so far removed from this thing, well, seal that, them,
0: seal them off. And I mean. In- Put them sequester them honestly them, i mean send them, just send them off yeah, on a, yeah. a
1: three-week three-month vacation to get them anywhere out now the one good thing about this sport and you mentioned who's going to be making it all signs point to alan holler is going to be solely in charge of this thing Um teresa woodruff who's the interim president has kind of stayed out of this you you know she didn't take any questions at the press conference Um, when they announced that Mel Tucker was suspended. She wasn't quoted in the press release yesterday when they announced he was fired. She's staying out. She has deferred completely to Alan Holler. Uh, Holler, by the way, just like um, Hollis was the point person, even though Mason was the AD when they hired D'Antonio, Holler was the point person for Mel Tucker, even though Bill Beekman was the interim athletic director. Um, And Holler, uh, he, he picked Mel Tucker. Um, now that's, I don't think necessarily you can completely hold that against him. Um, look, I mean, he only had one year college coaching experience, so there's a lot to nitpick there. Certainly Haller couldn't have seen this coming necessarily. Uh, I think it's unfair to suggest that, but that's on his resume. He did pick Mel Tucker and this has imploded in a uh, very ugly fashion, but he's going to be the guy that hires, uh, but they need to keep the board out of it. And I think one good thing about that is Joel Ferguson no longer is on the board, nor is he pulling any strings from behind the scenes. The Joel Ferguson era, Michigan State, uh, former trustee, longtime trustee, immense power with athletics. The Joel Ferguson era is over. And I think that that's a good thing when it comes to this search. Um, I think the board will be removed. I think they have to be removed. Uh, I think it's Holler. And I think and I've been talking to a lot of people in Michigan State and they want Howard with a significant voice from who else? Tom Izzo. Uh, yes. That's, you know, they want him involved. Um, and, you know, say what you want about Izzo. Um, you know, he, he's not going to be the coach like he once upon a time thought he might be. Uh, you know, he loves football. Uh, but more than that, I think Izzo knows good coaching, no matter yeah. what your coaching football at the highest level or coaching pickleball on a Saturday afternoon. I feel like Mark or Tom Izzo knows coaching. And so I think he needs to be involved immensely. And I think it really should be him and Holler going and finding this next guy.
0: Agreed. And they won't lose if they, uh, as you say, uh, allow a pilot and good co-pilot like Tom Izzo uh, to make this decision. And uh, Tom has to be on, um, more than just a, 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 a ride here, a joy ride. He, he's got to be, uh, in, in, as you say, Tony, involved uh, integrally in the process. He can identify exactly what's needed in terms of leadership, in terms of recruiting, acumen, the whole thing. Alan Heller can't two, two heads are going to be better than one here and have to be really part of the process. Uh, Michigan State can't allow this thing to be bungled. And um, again, if they simply will allow uh, the right amount of people here to be interviewed fully and with an open mind, and I emphasize those words, open mind, uh, they're going to come away with a really great choice. Trust the institution. The resources here are immense. Yeah, they have the facilities, they have the the money, they're lacking that now, but they can get there. Well, and and you can put this thing back on track more quickly than people realize. Um, By the time you've settled out your recruiting shakeouts from these classes, by the time you've used the transfer portal, it's a double-edged sword, but it can be certainly used again in Michigan State's favor just as quickly as the new person is in place. Um, Michigan State football will be back on far firmer ground than would appear to be the case today. Uh, that's how much ability to revive quickly exists here, particularly in this day and age. Well, yeah. So, and you,
1: I mean, you saw it. I mean, look, you talk about the transfer portal. I mean, one transfer. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of players on the team for sure, but it was one transfer who elevated Mel Tucker to the stratosphere in Kenneth Walker, the yeah. third, the season that he had basically earning Mel Tucker a ni- 10 year, $95 million extension which was just bananas at the time and now seems like par for the course because it set the trend in college sports. But it was one transfer that was the backbone behind him getting that extension, Michigan State going 11-2, and two, winning the Peach Bowl against Pittsburgh. Um, it can change in a hurry. And, I mean, on the extreme end of that, you see Colorado with Deion Sanders. Now, Deion Sanders is a whole other animal. I mean, he is a – you know, he's got a spark and a connection – uh, that, yeah. that you know, really resonates with these young men. Um, so he was able to bring in dozens and dozens of transfers, and that has turned that program around immensely in a hurry. I don't think you can look at Michigan State as probably being able to do that to that extreme, but you have the opportunity to get better in a hurry. Um, so I don't think, you know, look, when, when John L. Smith left, I mean, we, we were looking at uh, what we thought was going to be a long, long road. To recovery for michigan state mark d'antonio to his credit he had his stumbles at first but it was i mean relatively quick process then and now with the transfer portal at your disposal uh i think it can be even quicker so i agree with you i think that they can get this thing uh get this thing right and with the right candidate and i think you need to balance a little bit of that candidate with a good coach a good leader you need to balance that with you know being able to connect with these kids, whether it's on social media or or whatnot. Like Mel Tucker was really good at the social media. Everyone loved those pictures of him smoking the cigar and with Paul Bunyan, you know, buckled up on the trip back from Ann Arbor, you know, like they love all that stuff, you know, he, you know, but I, I I think there needs to be a balancing act in there. You need, you know, connecting with kids has never been more important than it is right now because they, these kids have more freedom than they've ever had. To leave Now, by the way, it's going to be very interesting to see this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, to see the roster, to see what it looks like, because they're at the point of the season now where any kid who wants a redshirt can. Uh, Four games into the season, that's the cutoff mark. It'd be interesting to see how many of them choose that option. And also, of course, with Mel Tucker's firing yesterday, the transfer portal opened immediately for Michigan State players, all Michigan State players, for a 30-day window, I haven't seen any activity yet. Um, we've been told there more, won't be a ton of activity on the redshirt front, but we'll see when the roster comes out. Notable: Michigan State has lost two recruits in the last week, including a four-star. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some movement on that front. Um, but again, going back to my point, it's never been more important to to really connect with kids, and you know, I mean. Relationships always matter in sports, and they've always mattered between coach and player. But I don't think they've ever mattered more than they do now, uh, because you have to keep a team together, and uh, so they need a they need a leader, and they need a guy who can really connect with these kids.
0: Yeah, it's very again, it's obvious to us. It just hasn't always been clear up there, yeah. and uh, that, that, that's it's it's a, a silly thing to not have faith in the process, but. When you've invited uh, so many catastrophes, uh, people are going to be a little battle scarred by that. Well, and they, and- blew the, they blew the
1: Luke Fickle thing because, of, uh, in large part, I believe, because the board of trustees meddled and they blew it. And yeah. uh, you know, he was the guy, the obvious guy to be. the guy, You know, and then they lose out on him, and he, you know, go. They go back to Mel Tucker. They get him, and look, Mel Tucker was obviously a high commodity. Uh, look, and I'm, I'm not saying that you you can predict that this was going that this exact thing was going to happen, but you also hired a coach with 12 games of head coaching experience. He won a few games early in his first or second year, and you give him 80 or 90 million five million dollars. Like there are mistakes along the way in that regard.
0: Well, but, I'll, I'll defend them on that because he was going to end up at LSU. You know, and
1: I I, I agree with that. I also. And you and you've obviously covered the program a lot longer than me. My my opinion at the time was then so be it. But now with all the money in college sports, they felt they had to do it. It's fine. I'm not I don't care. It's not my money, it's Matt Ishbia's money, it's Steve St. Andre's money. Um by the way, I just want to do a little mini rant here. When Michigan State signed Mel Tucker the extension for 95 million dollars, they defended it by telling us that it was being funded largely mostly by those two donors. And the, then, of course, they wouldn't give us the donor agreement, and we had to sue for it. The free press sued. We got it. And, of course, it comes out that they actually only funded $24 million of it. So, yeah. anyway, that Michigan State not being transparent is nothing new. As you know, as someone yeah. who's covered Michigan State forever, you wrote Spartan Seasons 1, a great book that came out in 87. Yep. Yeah. And you wrote Spartan Seasons 2, which came out in 2006. Correct. And you should be working right now, given all the
0: drama. Yeah, I could have had a whole Encyclopedia Britannica shelf here of Spartan seasons uh, through the years with all of the drama. It just never ceases. And we'd like it to cease. Um, I don't know what it is that makes MSU so combustible. That question has been asked for generations now, literally generations. But um, uh, location is part of it, politics is part of it, state government being there is part of it. Um, I think the fact that um, they have always had uh, something of uh, an institutional uh, inferiority complex compared with Ann Arbor has been part of it. Uh, They get extremely insular up there, Tony, though. That's where I, I think they make their fundamental mistake and that's what I've criticized in the past the word university means the absolute opposite of being insular. And so many times uh, it gets to be these smoke-filled rooms where all the decisions are made or where some kind of myopic disposition toward media or something like that exists and, and ends up selling the process instead of it being a, a bastion of enlightenment and thought and comprehensive Strategies um, they they can get very 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 twisted and short term uh, with with their thinking that can't apply here it can't apply here I know they know that but they've got to act on that Tony and that's really where the challenge exists. Trustees out of it and you know because
1: yes I know there are new faces on this board of trustees there always are Uh, but you know the you know but and these board the new members of the board have come in and said you know. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be different. We're just going to be the new MSU. And then you sit there and you watch a board meeting a month ago where they still refuse to release the documents on Larry Nasser. These, these people yeah. come in talking about transparency and enlightenment, like you said, and still sat there as these victims spoke again and served them with a lawsuit. You know, at the board meeting, how embarrassing is that? And right. they still refuse to to release these. It's not a new MSU. Uh, it, it 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 you know. And new. It's just so frustrating that you get new people and you get the same thing and you get no transparency. I always like to tell people that I could file a FOIA with Michigan State asking for the lyrics to the fight song and they would find <laughs> a way to deny it. I mean, oh yeah. the God, yeah. this this university and it's always been that way. I'll give them credit. They've been more transparent with Tucker since this story broke. Yes. It had to break elsewhere. (laughs) It had to break. And I still have my issues about whether they could have suspended him earlier. I believe they could have. I think they knew enough to at least suspend him. I think they could have tried to move up the Title IX hearing. Um, to before the season to get it resolved rather than let him coach two games under this and, you know, secrecy. And then it comes out in USA Today and they look like buffoons again for letting this happen. By the way, the Title IX hearing with Mel Tucker will continue next week um, regardless of whether Mel Tucker decides to participate. We don't know if he will. Uh, But even though he's been fired, that process will play out. Uh, Brenda Tracy for her part has said that she will participate in that Title IX Office for Civil Rights um, hearing. Um, Anyway, we only have a few minutes left here as I'm getting the notification that Zoom is going to kick us off. We don't have enough money at the news to pay to upgrade our (laughs) Zoom account. Uh, But uh, one name that's out there, Lynn, we've talked about this off the air. It's really there's I can't believe the amount of people and some people with credibility that are mentioning this for Michigan State. But is Urban Meyer. There is. There is no chance on God's green earth that Urban Meyer will be the next coach at Michigan State. Now, if Urban Meyer had left Ohio State and the Jacksonville disaster didn't happen, there might be a chance. Yeah, there was shady stuff going on at Ohio State. We all know that. You know, he had his issues. Shady stuff was going on in Florida. Um, You know. Uh, But there would have been a chance. But Michigan State even isn't tone deaf enough to hire a man, given what just happened with Mel Tucker and the allegations against Mel Tucker, to hire a man in Urban Meyer with the incident at the bar with the co-ed when he was head coach in Jacksonville. Even Michigan State, for all their faults, cannot be tone deaf enough to go that route here.
0: It's the most asinine thought uh, of any that's been held over the last uh, three weeks, which is why it's got traction up there, because it's always the most outlandish, most inconceivable thing that someone's come up with that uh, tends to uh, at least make a couple of heads nod. And that's unfortunate. Uh, But again, that's part of the problem. Uh, These pathogens get into uh, these processes. And no, no serious rational person up there is going to consider Urban Meyer. uh, The irrational fan with um, a a reflexive response to names is probably going to toss it out there. uh, And it should be tossed not only back, but it should be fired back at 100 miles an hour uh, into that person's chops. Uh, because it's uh, utterly um, incredulous. And now they can use this audio against us when they hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> right, <laughs> definitely, we, definitely. We do not dismiss it there, pal. Neither of us does.
1: One other name that's out there that I think is also preposterous, um, uh, as it was mentioned by a local radio talk show host here in town, who's got relatively decent ties, I guess, to Michigan State, but is uh, Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame. All right, we want to talk about Michigan State being a top 25 job. Let's talk about Notre Dame.
0: Notre, no, Notre Dame. I mean, Marcus Freeman no one is good. leaving Notre Dame. It's like saying Ryan Day would leave Ohio State for Michigan State. No, no, it's your um, – no, I, again, it, you're, you're going to hear utter comedy, frivolity, and, and nonsense here, and and you've just brought up two names that, again, uh, it doesn't take much for these to stick to the wall up there, but they have to think smart. And by the way, it's Charles Huff at uh, Marshall, um, who is is going to absolutely be under consideration. Um, Elko, again, at Duke is, is a very good one, but again, he's 50 years old. Uh, I, I want Michigan State to think again with the future in mind, Tony, and that, in my estimation— and I think it's a fair view, is to hire a man in his 40s or 30s. Don't box yourself in here, uh, and it, it it it's very evident that as a coach ages, things begin to slide. They did even with oh, Mark Dantonio. Especially, especially now, I mean, this is such
1: a grueling job, college athletics in general. Yes. But a college football job is. I mean, college football and college basketball. I I know these guys are paid handsomely. Uh, I'm I'm jealous of their paychecks. I'm not jealous of their hours. They do not stop. It is 24 seven, 365 days a year. Uh, it is a grueling, grueling job. Mark D'Antonio looked like he was 95 years old the day he stepped to the podium and announced he was leaving he looks a lot younger now by the way uh <laughs> you know he doesn't have to make the calls doesn't have to wear the headset you know he can stand on the sideline and give encouragement and all that it is grueling and you know sports oh. in general i mean look at jim leland look at how much younger jim leland looks today than he looked when he retired as tiger manager that's an excellent and, point yeah well and it's just like the presidents of the united states i mean They all they all look 30 years older when they get out of office, you know, except, you know, well, if you work hard. I mean, Donald Trump looked about the same age. But (laughs) um, I mean, honestly, that's just the way it is. But my one one guy I have on the list I saw, he's actually one of the bettering favorites. And I think it'd be very interesting is Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Uh, I know Washington's coming to the Big Ten uh but i also know that you can recruit easier uh, in in the midwest it can be easier if you know your stuff he coached in indiana he coached at eastern michigan Mm -hmm. um he's pummeled michigan state two years in a row so that's front and center of everyone's mind and uh michigan state can pay him more i mean look he's making a few million bucks out there i think in washington
0: under a new deal maybe four million michigan state can pay him more he's one guy i think they can watch uh absolutely if they can get him in uh to the room for a conversation, he, he's one you want. Abs- I, I, I've been less inclined to think uh, that, that he's going to end up uh, wanting this job, but I might be selling him short on that. Uh, we're still a little bit early here, but in 10 weeks, they have every right and every reason to have a terrific football coach in place. They're going to feel a lot better about things. They're going to like how the recruiting classes have stayed probably reasonably intact and they're going to like what they can get out of the transfer portal. And suddenly a year from now, we're going to be talking a lot differently about Michigan State because this is like Chernobyl right now. And um, it's got nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as we just spoke, and we only got a minute left
1: here, so we will be really quick here. But as we just spoke, I just got an email from BetMichigan.com about the odds for the next michigan state coach literally this email just popped in two seconds ago and i'll read mm-hmm. the the favorite is harlan barnett which makes sense because the interim usually is the favorite uh because he's in place but then it goes mike elko from duke mike Tressel, of course michigan state ties from wisconsin charles huff marshall coach you mentioned lance Leopold, the kansas coach Jason Candle, another one you mentioned from Toledo. Brian Hartline from Ohio State. Pat Narduzzi from Pittsburgh. I think that ship has probably sailed. And yeah. uh, um, and then we got one more here. The last one on the list uh, is the uh, Jim uh, Jim Leonard. Of course, he was I think the interim coach at Wisconsin, who is now yeah. is now at Illinois. So some pretty good names, but uh, that's going to do it for now. And I really appreciate your analysis, everyone. Go by spartan seasons one spartan seasons two probably still out there somewhere on amazon i got my two copies right here in my office so lynn i appreciate the time for everyone out there michigan state plays iowa seven thirty saturday night kinnick stadium both teams coming off horrific losses uh, trying to right the ship you can follow all my coverage at detroitnews.com after the game and then following up sunday leading into the bye week Um, Check all that. You can check out Wojo and Neo and Angelique and all their coverage as well at DetroitNews.com. But for now, that's it for this episode of the Green Room Podcast. Lynn,
0: I appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again. Thanks, Tony, and uh, thanks for filling in so nobly on the MSU beat here uh, for these tough weeks. Appreciate it. Temporary job, pal. Temporary job. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you. Just going to run this